0: So we're going to jump into week four of Waiting Here For You. Today's message is on waiting for us to encounter God, and it's all focused around trust. So I just really appreciated what you said, Jen, about uh, flexing our muscles of faith to grow in trust, and uh, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to encourage you with this thought uh, it, that trust is... Uh, a choice. You know, sometimes we think, how do we trust God? Is God trustworthy? Are people trustworthy? Well, I want to encourage you that where trust starts is in your own decision making, right? You decide if you will trust or not. You know, Job wrote in the book of Job uh, chapter 13, verse 15, he said to God, though you slay me, I will trust you, right? He said, I'm going to choose. I'm going to make the decision to trust. So trust is a choice. So I just want to get that out there at the beginning of this message. Have you ever gone to a wedding? I think most of you probably gone to a wedding and, you know, weddings are a thing around our house right now because Jalissa's planning a, a wedding and we're, Carla and I are really excited about that. But there's kind of an assumption at a wedding And that is that the bride is always, you know, the bride at a wedding is always, I know what you guys, I know you guys are thinking along with me. I know you know the answer. At a wedding, the bride is always, say it with me, is always late, right? The bride is always late. That's kind of an assumption at a wedding. The groom, you know, is at the wedding. He's waiting. He's nervous. You know, the guests are there. They're visiting in the in the chairs, and and people are fidgeting. Kids are running around, you know, trying to hold still. People are checking the time on their phone or glancing back at the door, all that kind of stuff. Uh, People are scurrying around trying to help things uh, to get ready to get going. And uh, if you know, if you've ever been at a wedding, you kind of know uh, you can expect that waiting is part of what you do at a wedding. I think we we feel this way about our faith sometimes, too. You know, Jesus even compared the church to a bride waiting for her groom. So it's not wrong, really, but I want to point out something obvious uh, that we might have overlooked. Even though we're waiting for the bride at a wedding, It's actually been the bride who has been waiting for the anticipated wedding day, usually doing most of the work, most of the preparation. She's been anticipating the day more than anyone all put together. She's the one that's put in the most work, the most uh, patience, the most waiting because she wanted that day to be perfect and all that sort of thing. She's been preparing the guest list and waiting for you to respond. She's been preparing the venue uh, and the meal and the and getting the, the menus and all that kind of stuff. She's been waiting on quotes. She's been waiting on, on her dress. She's been waiting on the seamstress to get the alterations done. She's been waiting uh, to get that back. She's been waiting on the groom, you know, to get things together. And are you going to ever ask me to marry you or what, you know, uh, um, um, Yeah, man, she's been just waiting. Sometimes we're thinking about God this same way, that we're waiting for him, checking the time, reminding him to hurry up, getting fidgety, you know, wondering if he's ever going to show up for us. Have we thought about how much preparation and waiting that God has been putting in as he's been anticipating an encounter with us and him. You know, our faith will not grow if our trust in God is not growing. You know, one reason trust isn't growing sometimes is that we play the blame game. You know, we blame God for things that have happened. We we will say, oh, God, it's your fault. You know, this has come into my life. And we'll begin to blame God. Or we might blame the church, you know, oh, the church, if the church would do this. Or we blame the church for doing that. If it was the church, that's why I'm not growing. Or we blame people, you know, if that person just would have, if that person wouldn't have said that. If that person would have just been there for me, then I could have trusted. Then I could have grown. Well, Jesus doesn't allow that. Jesus doesn't allow us to get away with playing the blame game and to grow. It's just going to keep us small. He helps us deal with our pain, with our disappointments, with failures that we walk through. He helps us deal with it by the power of the gospel so that our lives and situations can be redeemed. And it's that happens, that redemption starts to happen, our trust begins to grow. We see God at work, and our faith and our trust begins to grow. As a bride and groom are waiting for their wedding day to love each other fully, God is waiting for you and I to trust him fully. Have you been praying about something? Do you have a hope or a dream that's in the waiting stage Do you feel the pain of waiting? Remember, Jesus is always waiting for us to encounter him. Right now, right this morning. You know, you might be feeling like you're waiting for him. I want you to know, Jesus is waiting for you. He's inviting you into counter. He's inviting you to drop the accusations. He's waiting for you to drop the blame. He's waiting for you to get over it and begin to trust him. Make the decision. Make the choice. Trust is a choice, right? Trust is a choice that we make. And when we do, we will encounter him. The good news of Jesus is that there's nothing, no situation, no failure, no pain that can't be redeemed for good. You know, Simon prophesied over Mary when she brought Jesus as a little baby Uh, into the temple uh, to be dedicated to the Lord. And Simon prophesied over Mary. He said, a sword will pierce your soul. (laughs) What a word from God, eh? How in the world do you ever trust God? How could she ever dream that that could be a good thing? But we know the story of redemption, don't we? That God used Jesus to bring redemption to the whole world. Now, I'm going to read a few verses out of Matthew chapter 17 uh, with you this morning, verses 1 through 8. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared, and he began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified at that, and they fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. You know, we can see all kinds of fantastic things in our, in our lives, in our journeys with God but our transformation depends on one thing on having an encounter with Jesus you know these disciples they saw all kinds of things but it was their their encounter with Jesus where they were where they were transformed, where they were touched. And I want to encourage you. There's two areas where we can encounter Jesus. One, we can encounter him in personal encounters. If Just a few verses back from what I read to you today in Matthew 16 and verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, so he's talking to each individual, if any of you He's talking to you and I, wants to be his follower. If we want to be transformed by him, then we must give up our own way. Take up our cross and follow him. We must do that as individuals. Personal encounters. We must have personal encounters. The second way that we are transformed in encounters with Jesus is that we need incorporate encounter. So we need personal encounters. We need corporate encounters. Matthew 7 verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord it's good for us to be here. You know that was a that was a no-brainer Peter. You know it's good for us to be. It's good for us to be together. It's good for the body to be together. It's good for us corporately to To encounter you together, the real you, Jesus, the powerful you, Jesus. It's good for us as the church to have an encounter with you. And we've been hearing and saying, you know, the church is not a building. We can encounter God on Gateway Church Live and praise God for Gateway Church Live. It's a gift from God to us. But I want to encourage you, even though the church is not a building, it is a gathering. The church is a gathering. The church is a body that's joined together. Wouldn't it be weird if we saw a body and it was spread all over the place in different parts? A head over there, a leg over there, a hand over there, an eyeball over there. We would say, gross! (laughs) That's what we would say about that, that body because... It would be gross because bodies are to be joined together. The church is a corporate gathering. It's people gathered together. People willing to lay down their own uh, uh, own rights, their own wills for one another. You know, our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. We need one another. We need to be known by one another, and we need to know one another. I want to talk to you this morning, uh, four ways that Jesus leads us into greater levels of trust. And we just have a few minutes, so I'm going to kind of whiz through these. So hopefully you brought your pen and paper along and uh, can follow along. So number one, Jesus leads us into greater levels of trust. He helps us to choose trust by, number one, speaking to us through his word. Joshua 1, verse Verse 8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, what we find in the Word of God is two things. We find God's general will. You know, there's so much in the Bible that just points us into uh, to giving us the general will of God. We want to know what we should do, how we should behave, how we should respond to a situation. We can look into the Bible and we can see this is God's general will. He leads us in every area of our lives in his general will. When we're careful to follow his word, we're being careful, as Joshua said, to be successful. Then you'll be prosperous, and successful. It doesn't say, if you get up earlier, or if you try harder, you work harder. No, it says, follow his word. Everything that's written in it, then you'll be successful. That's uh, how we are successful, by following God's general will. Then the second uh, area uh, uh, how God speaks to us is through his specific will. You know, God can reveal his will for specific situations in your life. One thing you'll find, even though God speaks to you about specific situations, it never goes against his general will that's found in his word. You know, as leaders, we know God's general will. When we plan the preaching series uh, for the church, for instance, uh, when the worship team plans their songs on a, on a Sunday, Uh Uh, We know God's general will. We're praying, we're asking God for his general will. We're looking to his word to give us his general will. But we're going to God for his specific will as we're planning. And that's why it seems for some of you that a song was just planned How did the worship team know I was going through that? How did God know that I needed to hear that? Or uh, the preacher's preaching a certain point. It seems like it's directed straight at you. How could he know? How could the preacher know? How could she know that, that I'm going through that? I needed to hear that. That is exactly, and it's God's specific will being revealed to you. Raising kids, for instance, we know the general will of God, that we're to raise our kids in the fear of God. That's his general will. But there's times when we need some specific will. We need to know what to do to break through. You know, yelling is easy, isn't it? We can yell at our kids, but we all know, parents, yelling doesn't work, does it? it? It kind of feels good, like when you yell. But it actually doesn't work for helping our kids uh, grow up and fear God. God needs to give us specific strategies for our specific children. And to help them overcome their challenges and respond to God. second way that we can be led into greater levels of trust is giving, God giving us good counsel. God giving us good counsel. Proverbs 12, verse 5 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man leads us to advice. Or a wise man listens to advice. Humility invites favor. Humility invites favor. When we're teachable, it invites success. That's what this verse is talking about. A wise man is humble and teachable. If we want to grow in to know and love and trust God more, we can do it by wanting to hear from others and learning from them. If you've got this thing in your mind that you know it all, that you've already figured it out, and you're just rigid and stuck in your opinion, you're just argumentative about everything, I'm going to suggest to you that is neither humble nor teachable. Some indicators you might struggle with foolishness is you know everything. You know how to do things better. (laughs) Do you always have an opinion that needs to be heard by others? You know, if if those are the things that are true in your life, I wanna suggest to you maybe you're struggling with a bit of foolishness. Don't just ask yourself if you're struggling with foolishness. I wanna encourage you, ask your wife. Ask a close friend. Ask the people you work with. (laughs) Am I always arguing? Do I always know better than you? Do I always have an opinion that needs to be heard? You ask them those questions, and uh, they will tell you the answer, and it might surprise you. Here are some ways that I get counsel myself. I share my heart openly with my wife. That's one of the ways that I get counsel. When I do that, you know what my wife does? she begins to pray for me. She begins to pray for me, and more than that, she hears from God for me. And she speaks into my life and gives me good counsel. That's one way I get counsel. I Another way I get counsel is I have friends that I can be transparent with. You know, when I phone them and they say, how are you doing? I don't just say, I'm doing good. I actually tell them how I'm doing. And They also tell me the truth about my life. Another way I get counsel is that I bring my journal to church. I bring my journal to church even when I'm not preaching. I bring my journal to church when Pastor Kimmy is preaching or Brad is preaching or Kate is preaching or one of you is bringing the word. When the worship leaders are leading, they have something to say. I'm listening and I'm writing it down when God speaks to me because I want to hear what God has to say to me. And I know he can speak to me through others. And I bring my journal along because I'm waiting with expectation that God wants to use others to speak to me. Number three, how can we grow in our trust of God? Number three, setting, God sets in place laws of common sense. Proverbs 3, verse 21 to 23 says, My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. I skipped a few words in there, and you can read those verses uh, later on, Proverbs three twenty one to 23. Now, I want to just share with you something about the laws of common sense that God has, has uh, given us. He said, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Well, common sense has two words in it. Number one, common. Now, this is something that's shared by or coming from or done by more than one person, right? So this means the group has decided this makes sense. It's common to the group, you know? Uh, for instance, we were in our prayer time this morning at Churchwide Prayer, and we were lifting up praise to God. It was common in our group. There was a sense of praise that started getting lifted up, and we began to praise God and speak verses from the Scripture of praise, and people started to acknowledge praise and sing songs of praise. It was something that was common in the group. Now, if I was in that group and I, and I said, does God want me to praise him? I didn't have to read the Bible. I didn't have to get counsel. I just knew it was common in this group that praising God was going to bring something of the glory of God and the sense of God. It was common and, and that's how common sense works. It's shared by the group. In that sense, is a sane, realistic attitude to situations and problems. You know, King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he recorded in the book of Proverbs, sayings that he had learned. Some of the wisdom in these books is by observation. He observed the truth of it happening, and he wrote it down. The truth of how God works and how God responds to us. And he wrote that down. Solutions to problems that we uh, were experienced by people. It was common, common problems, common solutions. And we can look to common sense to lead us into areas of trust. A danger is to think common sense is what always makes sense, (laughs) you know, to me. It just makes sense to me. Well, I want to encourage you. Sometimes things aren't going to go your way. You know, God is not, not ruled by what you think makes sense. God is not ruled by selfish sense, right? God is ruled by, by his own will. And he works through common sense sometimes. Not your sense, not selfish sense, not what you think should happen. Uh, number four, last one, God can help us growth by establishing human authority. Romans 13, uh, verses 1 and 2, he says, Everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You know, sometimes we hear from God. Uh, we can, when we hear from God, we can think it gives us permission to no longer be submitted to designated authorities. <laughs> you know, sometimes we hear God uh, speaking to us or directing us. We want to trust him. It just means we can just go off and do whatever we want. If we think we've heard God ask us to do something that our leaders have not given us permission to do, what should we do? I want to just take a couple minutes uh, this morning as I'm closing. Number one, pray for your leaders. If they haven't given you permission, you know, you feel like you've got to start a Bible study at work and your boss said, no, you're not allowed to start a Bible study at work. And you're like, I think God told me to do it. What should I do? Well, number one, pray for your leaders. Pray that God would change their hearts. Or maybe he would change your leader. Number two, pray for yourself. Ask him for grace. That you would remain full of faith. That you would see the miracle that he promised come to be. And that you would grow in trust despite of what you are seeing in, in the reality. What you're seeing in front of you. Psalm 25, 14 The Bible says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. You know, just because God spoke to you, just because God uh, uh, shared or confided in you, uh, to you what he wanted to do, it doesn't mean that you should act on it immediately or tell everyone else about it. This is just an opportunity for your trust to grow. There's two examples of this in the Bible. Number one, we see it with King David. You know, King David was anointed when he was a boy by the prophet Samuel. He was anointed to be the king, while Saul was still the king. What did he do? Well, David didn't do anything. He just got anointed, and then he didn't do anything. He did nothing. He waited for God to do what he promised to do. That's what he did. He didn't do anything. He just waited for God to work it out. Then another example we see in the Bible is Joseph. Well, Joseph was shown by God what he wanted, uh, that he uh, would be given authority, that Joseph would govern over his brothers and even his own dad, he would govern over them. They would bow down and worship him. But instead of staying quiet like David did, Joseph uh, didn't trust God. He began to brag about it and he caused years of hurt and hatred and broken relationship. And that's what resulted in opening his mouth too soon. What do we do when leaders ask us to disobey God? I'm going to close with this thought. What do we do when leaders ask us to disobey God? Well, we ask God to give us strength and courage for total obedience. You know, Moses, when God asked Moses to do something, what was his first response to God? It was an excuse. What's your first response when God asks you to do something? Is it an excuse or is it total obedience? Another thing uh, that we can do uh, uh, when leaders ask us to disobey God, we ask God to give us grace to live by our convictions. We see Daniel did this. See, when Daniel was in captivity in Babylon and the king issued an edict that there was to be no prayer to God, Daniel kept praying to God. And not only did he just keep praying to God, he did it openly for all to see and to hear. His fear was not of what people thought of him, but his conviction was that he cared more about living out his faith for God to see That he was not ashamed of him and that his faith was in God and in God alone. That's something we can do. We can ask God to give us grace. That's his strength to live by our convictions. And the last thing is we ask God to accomplish his will. Ask God to accomplish his will. We ask God to accomplish his will. We don't accomplish his will. We ask God to accomplish his will. You know Jesus when he was facing the shame and the beating and the brutality and the torture of the cross he said to God would you please take this from me but then he added to his prayer father not my will but your will be done <laughs> not my will but your will be done. What we do when leaders ask us to disobey God is we ask God to accomplish his will. You know, when will trust grow in our lives? When will faith begin to grow? I want to suggest to you it's when we make the decision, when we make the choice, when we say the prayer, not my will, God, but your will be done. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me as we're ending the service this morning. Just encourage you to just commit this time to God. Lord, is there something, is there somewhere where you're asking me to trust you? Is there an area maybe that I've been complaining about? Maybe I've been bellyaching about? Maybe I've been making excuses about? Lord, would you give me faith? To trust you more. Would you give me the ability to make the decision to follow you no matter what. To put my hope and to trust in you. I'm just going to encourage you. If the Lord is speaking to you. If he's drawing you into a deeper level of trust. Just to make that commitment to him this morning. Lord, I want to trust you. I need you to help me. I want to make this shift. Would you come that I can encounter you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here this morning, I want to just give you this opportunity to open your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never opened your heart to him before. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I want to I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to just give you this opportunity just to say this prayer along with me. Lord, I want to encounter you I want to encounter your love. I want to encounter your forgiveness. I want to encounter your presence, Jesus. I need to be strengthened by you. So I'm just inviting you now to come into my life. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you make me new? I just want to give my life to you now in Jesus' name.